I know we are so excited to see each other. Can everybody take a seat? I think I just changed the channel instead of turning it down. Thanks, Carrie. Okay, perfect. Well, kept going. I'm one of those persons that only do one thing at a time. I have music. I'll sit here and listen to it. Okay, well, um, good morning. Congratulations to all us Bulldog fans out there. Yes. I have to say, during a little bit of it, I was a little bit like, ooh. I was, it was hard to watch, but it was awesome at the end. Anyway, I know a few of us are tired who had to watch it in person and didn't want to pull it up on record or anything, but that was so much fun. But it is awesome to see you all this morning. Doesn't it feel like it's been forever? I mean, really forever. And um, sorry we have to have our masks on again. But we'll do that for a couple of weeks, and then maybe we'll be able to take them off again. But um, I'm so glad y'all are here. We have a great spring, winter, spring semester of lessons. Um, we're going to continue on just as we've done before. But today is just, just an awesome lesson. And we have an extra special leader in Georgia, Edwards, who has done the lesson, prepared it for us, and is going to do the commentary for us. So thank you, Georgia. I know for all of you all who do lessons, it takes a lot of time, but we're really looking forward to today. So all of you all are here. It's just gonna be a great morning and a great lesson to have under our belts um, and to get back into Bible study and realize why we're here. Um, remember, if you have a friend who wants to join us, we would love to have them. We've got a couple new members who we welcome and are glad that they're here. And for those who weren't here, at our um, Advent program, which was lovely. Um, you might not know, you may have heard that um, Kathy McCormick is no longer with us, unfortunately, um, due to her family and her father passing away, just things that she had to handle. She has left the cathedral and is no longer employed here, and she loved us and she loved the Bible study. She's gonna miss us so much but she wanted to be closer to home and be closer with her family. So um, she has taken a job, which is great, with the Quest radio station as their marketing manager, a director, and that's much closer to where she lives. And so hopefully that'll work out for her. Um, I'm sad for us, but, um, but we'll pray and, and um, send her you know, well regards. And we'll see what's gonna happen with us. We're set for the year. We've got you know, great lessons planned and great commentary givers, and we're set. And we'll see um, who's gonna kind of land in our sphere and um, help direct us as we move along. But we're, we're set, and we've got great groups and great leaders, so, um, so we're excited. So anyway, uh, again, we're open to new members. I think Ooh, I should have looked again. I think we're here every Tuesday. Remember, we don't do spring breaks anymore because there are just too many variety of spring breaks, and we'd be out, you know, every Tuesday if we took everybody's spring breaks. So we are just here on Tuesdays until our our last meeting in um, April. So, uh, Laura. Uh, we're normally where the PA time. Where are we going to get? We're going to be right there. Right here. Yeah, we're definitely switched to there. Everyone goes back to the same area. We're not, we used to switch 
up to down, all that, but now everybody seems to, I think, like where they are. We don't have to worry about that. No one has to go outside, and so we're set um, just to go back to where we, we are. We're just going to keep it, you know, just hospitality, no food or drink because of all the ups and downs with the COVID and all that, and it's kind of hard to start something and then have to pull back on it, so we feel like it's worth Again, if you want to bring your water or something, go ahead and do that. So um, we are so happy to have you all here. And if there are members of your groups that aren't here, give them a call and say you are rare to see them and you want them back. And they're such a valuable part of your group and uh, you can't wait to see them. So welcome, welcome. Uh, it's gonna be a, just a great start and a great continuation of some um, wonderful lessons from darkness into light, which we still need to study. So uh, we will open with our prayer, which I don't have in front of me, but we don't have anything, so let's see. Carrie, yeah. Thank you. All right, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Most loving Lord Jesus, we give you thanks and praise for you are the light in our lives. When we find ourselves in moments of despair, your light brings hope. When we experience conflict, your light illuminates the path to peace. When we experience the darkness of fear, your light builds confidence in us. We turn to you and lay at the foot of your cross all of our despair, conflicts, and fear. We give thanks and praise for through your death and resurrection, you destroyed the darkness of sin and brought us into your life. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. In the, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I'd love to have Georgia come up. And I think all of you all probably know who she is. If not, it's Georgia Edwards, who's been with us for quite a few years now. And we are so blessed. Thank you, Georgia. Got your water. Mm -hmm. Got your water. <laughs> I've got the water. That's my king. <laughs> Look at it. Just stay there. And you don't have to wear your mask up here. Mm -hmm. You can keep your mask off up here. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> She just said I could keep my mask off up here. I'm so relieved. <laughs> I'll pass out on the floor. Okay. Well, since we're taking a look at David today, I'd like to start with one of his psalms, which is a psalm of entering the temple. And it's just a psalm that kind of tells us where everything ought to be so we really understand the lay of God's land. It's Psalm 24. The Lord's is the earth and its fullness, the world and all its people. It is he who set it on the seas, on the waters he made it firm. Who shall climb the mountain of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? The man with clean hands and pure heart, who desires not worthless things, who has not sworn so as to deceive his neighbor, 
He shall find blessings from the Lord and reward from the God who saves him. Such are the men who seek him, seek the face of the God of Jacob. O gates, lift higher heads, grow higher ancient doors. Let him enter the King of glory. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, the mighty, the valiant, the Lord triumphant in war. O gates, lift higher heads and grow higher ancient doors. Let him enter the King of glory. Good morning. My name is Georgia Edwards. I'm a member of group three, and I'm here to share some thoughts on David as part of our scripture study, From Darkness to Light. It was not quite a year ago that Kathy McCormick guided us to this theme of study, in part because the strain of our experience with the COVID virus had blocked a lot of light from our lives. And for those who became sick and cared for those taken ill, it was certainly a dark time. But even for the others who weren't touched directly by COVID, there was still such fog about safety, changing protocols, new rules, loss of routine, and a year later, there still is. Kathy had the wisdom to know the Bible could help us. Coincidentally, about the same time, I started addressing my own COVID adriftness by adding a new practice to my life. I joined a daily Bible listening program presented by Father Mike Smith. Some of you probably know him. This has been a wild and crazy blessing, especially as a backdrop to this study. Not only did I find plenty of darkness and light in the Bible, I realized that it actually is the story of the Bible. Things going wrong, things set right. Since that first scattering moment when Satan seduced Adam and Eve, promising their eyes would be opened, ever since that moment of arrest when God called out to the sinful Adam hiding in the garden, where are you? Since the fall, the Lord's all-seeing eye has been on every one of us, and his mission has been to teach us his heart so we see how he sees and listen to him. This is from the Torah. The Lord's word to Moses, bid the Israelites pass blue cords through the corners of their cloaks and hang tassels on them, reminding themselves as they look on these all the commandments the Lord has given them. They must not let their thoughts and eyes wander free in all manner of unfaithfulness, but rather bethink them of the Lord's decrees and carry them out, a people set apart for their God. Kathy structured this study by pairing Old Testament and New Testament figures who reveal different ways God brings us back into his light. Sometimes God acts directly or uses the physical world to bring transformation, as he did with Noah. Sometimes he uses suffering and the help of a stranger to shape a person's soul, as in the story of Naaman. And sometimes, as in the pairing of David and Peter, stories that Marcia and I have been working on, the darkness is confronted interiorly, a darkness of the self, which has known great intimacy with God, but whose love is not complete. For different reasons, Peter and David couldn't surrender everything for God when it was called for. 
they each experienced a fall. Now, in David's case, this seems so improbable. How to imagine that in spite of his deep relationship with God, he would turn his eyes away from the light of, of love and sin so grievously over and over and over again? How could that happen? David was the special one. He was the golden child, handpicked by the Lord and anointed by Samuel before he was even 20. God hadn't wanted to give the Jews a king at all because he knew they struggled to be faithful. He wanted his people to have only one king, God. But the people persisted and God relented because his gift to mankind was a free will, a will to choose even when it contradicted God's desire for unity. Saul was their first king, but he was not obedient as God wanted him to be. And so while Saul was still king, God announced David as his successor. It would take 15 years for this to come about. And in the waiting time, a busy young David slew Goliath, was banished by Saul, hid in the desert, was forced out of Israel, and battled for his people. God stretched out time and gives new meaning to the expression, waiting in the wings. But from the beginning, David was patient and accepted God's complete control of his life, his dreams, his heart. David listened to the Lord in all things because he loved the Lord and took pleasure and peace from the Lord's love of him. They were beloved of each other. David the psalmist was right. Oh God, you are my God, for you I long. For you my soul is thirsting. My body pines for you like a dry, weary land without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. For your love is better than life. Your love is better than life. I just, I just will share that when I'm afraid, I'm in my dark, I muttered that line under my breath. It's, it's like a torch. You can hear the ardor of youth in this psalm, an almost breathless urgency to share the deepest part of each other and unite at the heart where love overtakes life as the ruling desire. This shaped David's life as future king. His trust was rock solid, his clarity Crystal. He wrote, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. Do you hear the confidence of a passionate heart announcing the Lord's faith in him because of his righteousness? Already David knew what God wanted of him and would always want of him, not just as a warrior or a future king, but as his beloved, whom he treasured. The confidence of this king would bring about wonderful changes in Israel. David as king continued to battle with pagan nations with great success because he always listened to the Lord first. He allowed God to train his eyes. 
He founded the city we know as Jerusalem and brought the Ark of the Covenant, which had been lost in battle, home. He would not build the actual temple. That task was saved for his son. But God assured David that he would build a human temple of kingly lineage that would last forever. David the poet used his ability with word and sound to craft many of the songs, gems of illumination, which capture the human heart in every stage of a relationship with God, from lamentation to praise to forgiveness to joy. And in doing these things, David the king wove relationship with God deeply into the fabric of Jewish life and successfully united the 12 tribes. Their identity strengthened as their faith flourished in his care. God was served, God was pleased, his people were learning how to climb the mountain of the Lord. And then one day, one day, it's always one day, without warning, there came the proverbial one day. One day things are as they should be, and suddenly they are not. One day a mature David is not with his army doing battle, but hanging back by himself in Jerusalem. In the late afternoon, not listening to the Lord, not in prayer or in thought about God's vision for his people, but strolling on the castle wall alone, his eyes looking down into the garden at the Lady Bathsheba in her bath. She is an eyeful. And like Adam in the garden, David's eyes opened wide. You know, sometimes sin happens so fast. It wants to take shape quickly and become real because once it's loosed, it can't be undone. David acts with the full power of his kingship. He sends others to fetch Bathsheba and bring her to him so he may be with her. He ignores the caution his helpers give him about who she is, their silent warnings, don't do this. But sin has caught his breath and is alive in him. You know this story. The first sin opens the door, then leads to another and another and another, as David tries to manage the rush of consequences, which eventually culminate in the murder of Bathsheba's husband. It's a sharp downward spiral into evil. Uriah dead, Bathsheba pregnant, all this under the gaze of an angry and heartbroken Lord. And you can almost hear the cry, David, where are you? Sin numbs and blinds. David is exactly where he had been, but he had buried the experience of his sin outside his heart where he would not feel it, but God felt it. God feels all our sins. And now God did some sending of his own. He dispatched the prophet Nathan to bring the sin to light through the telling of a disturbing story of a despicably sinful man. And when David reacted with outrage, Nathan, in a dramatic moment, Shakespeare would envy, held up the mirror of truth and announced, you are the man. And suddenly truth lit the room. David opened the eyes of his heart. He saw his sin. He didn't dodge 
deny or dismiss it. He didn't get angry or redirect blame. Instead, he caught the words Nathan pitched, stepped into the fullness of what he had done, and confessed, I have sinned against the Lord. He had sinned against the very love he valued above his own life. And in this awareness, conversion began. Not a tough but temporary period of atonement, but deep conversion. A tearing or, or an inversion of the self, like the experience of a sock someone turns inside out by reaching down into the toe and then pulling it so that all the knots and strings are exposed and dangling. Dangling, that's David, exposed and ashamed. The suffering David and his family would endure for the rest of his life was unimaginable. But none of this would distract him from putting things right with his beloved. Ladies, there is so much to learn from his response to sin. Hitting bottom stuns, but it's the beginning of reversing course. David would write the Miserere, Psalm 51, as an outpouring of grief and longing for God's mercy. It is a masterpiece. And it's so important in the prayer life of the church that it's the only psalm prayed every week in the divine office, Friday mornings, the day set aside in the week for penance. It's also used in the office of the dead. The psalm is a map for all of us who seek God's mercy, a method for asking forgiveness, and just as important, accepting forgiveness so the climb up the mountain can continue. Hearts align in air that is clear. Forgiveness from God isn't complete until it is freely accepted by the sinner. The way of Psalm 51 demands a lot of us. I'll point to three things. First, it asks us for bald self-reflection. Part of the responsibility of the maturing spirit is to know our weak spots, and we all have them. God gave each of us a crown of sorts, a source of power we call the free will. Every action we take and every thought we have as we wear that crown of free will through life is either an affirmation of God's desire or an affirmation of worldly desire. In repentance, we consider how well we wear the crown God has given us. For I know my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Next, the psalm prompts us to ask God for a clean heart. Behold, you desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. This part of contrition, asking God to make you new, is an astonishingly intimate exchange of love. Hearts rubbed raw by sin are healed when we ask for help, and God grants his grace. But first, in humility, we have to ask. And finally, and in some ways almost the most important, 
Psalm 51 leads the penitent to praise, praise, praise the Lord. Full voice, full throttle, from the heart, forgiven, unafraid. Just praise. Because praise is the great prayer of belonging. It lifts us out of sin like an invisible loving hand and lobs us high back into the lap of the beloved who is all in all, the origin, the destination, the reason, the gift. Every day the divine office begins with an invitation to enter the day by first praising God. The words of that invitation come from Psalm 51. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall declare your praise. To close, I'll, I'll just share that I worked on this over Christmas, and especially the Feast of the Epiphany, which is my favorite day of the year. I have an old wooden nativity set. I brought the king. And the kings are carved not with their crowns on their heads, but with their crowns in their hands to offer to baby Jesus. I love the kings, inspired, receptive souls who knew the time had come to leave everything and seek something more wonderful than the world had ever known. And with their free will, hat in hand, so to speak, they left all behind for what they valued more than their lives. The fear of the journey could not stop them, so into the dark desert night they went, up the mountain of the Lord. As it is with David, who received such blessings and sinned with such selfishness, but who repented from his core and took his crown in his hands, the darkness of his penitential journey could not stop him from returning to the Lord, from continuing the climb to his beloved. And so for us, ladies, whatever form the darkness takes, despair, affliction, the worst sin, we too will seek God's light. We will return to him because the ancient doors have been opened. The mountain calls and his love is better than life. Pray with me. Oh God, I adore you. I give myself to you. May I be the person you want me to be. And may your will be done in my life today. God bless you, ladies. Thank you.